you guys are quite new to homebrewed. You've been around since 2019, but for the homebrewed listeners, you're quite a fresh act. So can you tell me the beginnings of the band, how you formed? Yeah, so Nettie and I went to uni together. We met while I was working at the cafe there at UC. University of Canberra? Yeah, University of Canberra. Just hit it off and at the time I was really excited and really keen to start a band and then it turns out so was she. And we had a couple of mutual friends and stuff like that and it turns out we'd both been talking to our mutual friends about how we wanted to start a band and they were just like, oh, you guys should just start a band. And uh, that's kind of where it started and yeah. Going from there. That's cool. So, what were you studying at university? Were you studying something musical or was it a complete 180? Complete 180. I was studying graphic design and Nettie, I believe, was studying a Bachelor of maybe communications and marketing or something and event tourism something. I'll get that wrong. Okay. But The event tourism's, I guess, the unique side to it because Eamon and I, we both studied media at university as well, which I guess hence gotcha. this role. But graphic design, I imagine that would come in handy for artwork and things like that. Do you create most of that or is that all outsourced? Nettie's partner is actually an incredible graphic designer. Oh, you got so competition. She does. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got competition and honestly... <laughs> She is much better than me. So we let Soph handle that sort of stuff and she does an incredible job. You debuted in 2019. You had a bit of success, but then obviously 2020, it's been a frustrating year for a lot of people in music. Mm. Was that frustrating for you as well? Because it seems you obviously have in your head, right, we're starting a band, 2019, this is how it's gone. This is how we plan or how we're viewing 2020 to go. And then obviously Mm. the world just falls apart and hits pause and we don't do anything for a couple of years. How was that for you? Yeah, it was really difficult because myself and Nettie both moved away to Melbourne and the rest of the band live in Canberra. In normal times, it's not the end of the world, but in in COVID times where you can't get across state borders and get to practicing or writing with each other or recording. So we essentially spent two years just kind of writing songs ourselves, which kind of meant we had not too much recorded music in the bank which is why it feels like maybe it's been a bit slow for the last two years, but we've got heaps now. <laughs> That's good. And you, the last couple of years as well, you've sort of pushed your music into like a different style sonically. Can you explain how that came about? It kind of comes about from just a different set of influences or different music that we're listening to. Zach is into like much heavier sort of music than us, which brings obviously a slightly darker tone to our music. And then Nettie and I, as I guess like the primary songwriters, have also started to listen to more darker and moodier music. We kind of felt like through the pandemic and as we developed as adults and like experiences and stuff like that, we've started to just write this music that's a bit more, I don't know, dark and like moody, frustrated. I don't know, yeah. It's kind of just a response to the world around us and our experiences as well. Yeah, the last couple of years have certainly been a darker time for a lot of people. And your music's being described as a punk-infused spacey Jane. Is that... <laughs> Apparently would you, so. That's accurate, <laughs> do you think? I would say so, yeah. Because the music that spacey Jane writes and a lot of the Australian indie rock music is the music that we started writing, I guess. And something that we kind of developed early on, like a lot of our earlier music is is quite similar. So we still have that core songwriting and structure and stuff like that aligned with that sort of music. So we, we still focus heavily on, you know, vocal melodies and choruses and stuff like that. But yeah, a bit darker, I guess. 
So you you already mentioned some of the influences from the band. Who are some of your influences, and what sort of got you personally into music? I grew up on a lot of Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day, and like I guess it's pop punk. Yeah, the noughties pop punk era is big for me too. Yeah, so that kind of got me into guitars and learning how to play music and stuff like that. It's so strange when you're growing up, you hate your parents' music, right? And my dad used to always play Pink Floyd. And when I moved out and I don't know, maybe I was just like missing my parents or something like that. I started listening to Pink Floyd and the 70s, 80s, all of that music. I've not stopped listening to that sort of music since. So that's another big influence, I guess, on where I draw my inspiration from when I'm writing. As you get older, you tend to appreciate that music in a completely different way. Because when you're younger, you don't have much choice. Dad's listening to the Beatles that's what we're listening to. And then you sort of get to listen to your own music. And then when your dad plays his music again, you're like, oh, the Beatles, you know. And then you start to learn more either about them or that era of music. And you're like, oh, they're actually pretty cool. Like, <laughs> they're actually a very good band. So, it's, exactly. it is one of those funny things that comes around. Sputnik Sweetheart, the band name. Mm. Where does that come from? You mentioned to me before we started, it's a it's a Russian, it's probably more Sputnik or something like that. But how did that band name come about? So, yes, the the satellite Sputnik, Sputnik 1 is a, is a Russian satellite. Sputnik. Um, it's the first satellite to ever go into orbit, I believe. But the full name actually comes from a Murakami book, which is titled Sputnik Sweetheart. It's essentially just this really incredible book that... At the time, Nettie was reading it and I've read it since and it, like, it just perfectly fits. It's a bit strange, a bit mystical, but rooted in reality. Like it's just a, I don't know how to explain it. You'll have to read the book maybe if you like reading and I think it just suits our music perfectly. I mean, it's not really to do with the pandemic, but probably around that time is when I was like, okay, I want to get into reading. It was probably early 2019. I was like, I want to get more into reading because my partner's a big reader. And then obviously the pandemic hit and you're like, well, nothing else to do. <laughs> Might as well start reading a bit more. So speaking of not being able to do much for the last couple of years, that's touring. But you are going on tour next month. It's your first full tour in a bit over a year, I believe, for the band. How important Ages. is going on tour for an emerging act like yourself? Because obviously the major, you know, major, major big who sell out stadiums and arenas, they tour, it's a big money producer for them. For an emerging act mm. like yourself, obviously you, you're getting paid, you'd like to think, but how much does the money come into it and how much does just exposure to new people come into it or the experiences of traveling around the country and touring? Like, where do those different things weigh up and what's the most important for an emerging act like yourselves? Yeah, I definitely think the exposure to new audiences is the, is the main benefit or draw card of touring. We're not really in music to make money, I guess, especially as an emerging artist. There's not really too much of that to go around. So it's more of just enjoying ourselves and having fun with our friends. It's an opportunity to, to get out and explore the country together, which is something that not a lot of people get to do, you know. That exposure to new audiences, people who are going to maybe enjoy the music and come to future shows, it's, it's all kind of about building that experience with other people. And for an act like yourselves, where you are, I mean, you're dabbling a bit more, like you mentioned, in like the heavier, darker aspects. But I feel like for, for bands like yourselves, there's a real sort of sweet spot to be able to see yourselves as a live act. Like where we're a band who you want to come out and see live, a band you want to come out and support. Is that something that you're also putting a lot of importance on for this upcoming tour? Yeah, our, our primary focus has always been a live band. So we've always focused on delivering 
the best show we possibly can. I would say lots of energy, lots of fun. We try to bring a lot of fun to our shows. So definitely the focus and then recording music has been like kind of the second part that we've discovered a love for that we weren't aware of at the beginning. Yeah, you get different people. Some prefer working in a studio and recording and then just the way they want to mix or master a track, they want to put this effect on, they want to try this, we'll pan to the left, pan to the right, you know, whatever the case is, they like being able to fiddle around with it and create this super polished product. Then you have other people who, you know, they enjoy that, but their main focus is getting in front of a crowd, performing their music live and just having a really good time. Now... You're, you're fairly active on social media and like TikTok. I was watching a few of your TikToks before you came on. What have you made of the recent controversies happening around TikTok? Like the likes of Halsey, she's been speaking out against her label for making her post viral TikToks. And if she doesn't make a viral TikTok, they're not going to let her release her new single. Are you guy? I, I don't know if you actually, if you're independent or whether you have a label. Or I don't know what your situation is, but... Do you have an opinion on what's happening and the trend that we're seeing with social media and music at the moment? Ideally, it's not something that you would have to do. And I hate hearing about the fact that labels are kind of making artists do it. We're not on a label, so all of the all the TikToks <laughs> we make are just, just for fun. <laughs> I think there's obviously benefits to having an app like TikTok or even like Instagram and Facebook, like being able to promote your music to an audience who would otherwise never have heard of you is is amazing i think it is difficult because there's so much importance post uh, placed on going viral or making a tiktok that's just crazy like there's tiktok bands and stuff like that and for that to be part of upholding your end of a bargain feels a bit tough but then again i'm, I'm not too sure i'm not in that situation so we're just having fun with it i guess yeah, that exposure that you mentioned, because it it's almost like going on a, a national or world tour, but amplified by potentially millions, because depending on how viral it goes, you could get that exposure. But yeah, the fact that they're saying, unless you make a viral TikTok, we're not going to release this single, it just it feels a little bit off. And I know that's the direction that the music industry has probably taken in the last few years because of, as I mentioned, that. You can just get exposed to so many new people on TikTok and, you know, Instagram and, you know, it's fantastic in that sense, but to not be able to release the art that you're creating because you don't own it. That's part of the problem with a lot of labels mm. is you don't actually own it. So that's what people would just really, she doesn't own it. She doesn't can't actually make that decision or else her label will probably sue her for something she created, but she doesn't own. It's a real whirlwind if if you're not really in the know. I just yeah. do a bit of research and look it up because it's in a lot of depth that I probably don't have time to get into right now. Because <laughs> not everyone can be a Lizzo. Not everyone can be a Kid Leroy. Not everyone can be making songs that just blow up on TikTok. Florence and the Machines label wanting her to do that as well. And it's like part of the beauty of her music is the mystery behind who she is and the music she's creating if you want her to create TikToks, that goes away. The whole magic of that mm. goes away. Yeah. I think the hard thing as well is there's no formula to what is viral mm. on TikTok. Yeah. You know, it's like literally the things that I've seen that blow up, sometimes you're just like, who thought of that? I'm only doing jiggle, jiggle. It, oh. Like seriously, I've had that song stuck <laughs> in my head for like how long has it been out? Four weeks or something like that? Like it's crazy. So... Yeah, very interesting topic and I could probably talk about it all day as well. Go on. If you have more you want to add, go for it because it certainly, it, it, it is a hot topic at the moment. I agree with you in saying that it, it loses a bit of the 
mystery and intrigue of an artist like Florence and Machine, for example, like there's something special about an artist who can create beautiful music and you just don't really know much else about them and feels quite sometimes invasive. Some of the TikToks that have to get promoted, sometimes you feel like you're sharing something with people it's super personal or something like that and seems a bit over the top to me. I guess it's almost <laughs> removing like, because people, whenever they're artists or a comedian or whoever is in some sort of controversy and they're getting cancelled, it's very hard to separate the art from the artist. With R. Kelly, people were saying, I really like Ignition Remix. It's a banger. But do you separate the art from the artists and their downfalls? And it's almost like a similar thing that's happening with social media at the moment. They want them to be the same. You want to recognize the art and the artist and you want to know both sides of them where for some people, the reason they create the art is to get away from themselves and have a completely different persona. Yeah, like sometimes art is just an expression of yourself being so personable on social media sometimes is tough like i guess it, it depends it really does depend i can see pros and cons for both as you mentioned yeah. we could sit here all day and talk about it i want to talk about your new single it's called lindy pop tell me about it yeah so uh lindy hop was written by Nettie roughly four years ago during the marriage equality plebiscite essentially she was in a new relationship at the time and was kind of experiencing all of this homophobia online so a lot of the lyrics are a response to that, but in the same time, it's a response to that beautiful period of time, like your honeymoon period when you've just started a new relationship. So I guess it kind of shows both sides of the coin of the situation that she was going through at the time. In terms of like the music that we put behind it, it's, it's a song that we've had written for ages, but it just took so long to kind of piece together and, and get right. And we finally got it in the studio and, and were able to kind of make it what it is which is just this fast and furious song like it's just it's amazing to play live super fun it's it's a great song i think you mentioned it's been written for a while but you've been sort of working on it throughout that whole time does that mean that the music behind it you we'd sort of touched on before that you've gone a different sonical style over the last couple of years this song two years ago does it sound completely different to what the finished and produced song is now It was always a bit more of like a punky song. So it was always pretty upbeat, fast tempo, stuff like that. I think what really changed was when we kind of nailed the chorus where we've gone into halftime and really sit in the groove and it really just brought this attitude towards it. And the attitude, I guess, is what was missing for that that time. So has this song almost been the catalyst for the change? You said this was always a bit punkier than the other tracks. Has this song sort of been the push for the recent change sonically? I guess so, maybe, maybe. I'm not sure. I I don't know. I feel like we've always dabbled in like writing songs that are outside of the genre that we are normally attached to. We've always kind of written, you know, some songs that are like jazz songs and songs that are like ballady type of slow, sad songs. And I guess what we try and do is just pick the songs that we think are the best or like the most. And then that Typically, like I mentioned before, like we are a live band, so we generally end up picking the heavier, faster songs to record. But yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess this is the catalyst. Yeah. There you go. You've, you've had an epiphany right now for how this all <laughs> Thank you. happened, but it's, it's a fantastic song. It is full of energy. And, you know, knowing that bit of background about the song, I think adds that extra little bit on top of it. So, Joe from the band, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me.